Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Our first scripture reading this morning comes from the 11th chapter of Luke's Gospel. Uh, A few verses following what we read last Sunday, uh, this uh, uh, passage on prayer. As we come to this, first join me in a word of prayer. God of mercy, it is your word and your word alone that is life for us. So we pray, O God, that as we come to these ancient words, that by your spirit they will be breathed to life in us. We are here, O God. We are listening. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Listen for God's word for us. Jesus said, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives, and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Is there anyone among you who, if a child asks for a fish, will give a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. I want us to hear a second passage from Luke's gospel. These few verses occur on the last night of Jesus' life. He goes to the garden to pray, and he knows that crucifixion is awaiting, and It's described this way. Listen for this. Jesus came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. When he reached the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, knelt down, and prayed. Father, if you are willing, remove this cup for me, yet not my will, but yours be done. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God shall stand forever. Amen. So in this series, we asked, how does prayer work? What's supposed to happen when we pray? Is the purpose of prayer to somehow influence God? Is is prayer supposed to change God's mind, to, to put an illness, a need, a hurt, a hope, a concern in the lap of God with enough passion and enough persistence that we encourage God to do something that God otherwise might not do? It appears that's what Jesus teaches 
when he says, ask, and it will be given. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Has that been your experience? Hasn't been mine. What do we do with words of Jesus that clearly seem inconsistent with our own experience in this world? It would not surprise me if you at times have prayed, have asked, have knocked, have, have, have looked, and yet, in spite of these promises of Jesus, found yourself on the wrong side of a closed door. Some may feel more like the psalmist, Psalm 44. The psalmist cries, wake up, God. Do you not hear your children praying? Why do you hide your face from us? Wake up and come help us. That's how Psalm 44 ends. If prayer is supposed to change God's mind in some way, inspire God to give us what we pray for, as Jesus implies, it doesn't seem to work very well. At least it doesn't work all the time. When our son Nathan was entering the first grade, uh, his older sister, a veteran of the first grade, gave him counsel. She told him, you need Miss Taylor as your first grade teacher. Of all the teachers I've ever had, she said, Miss Taylor was the best Teacher was right, uh, Sarah was right about that. If God ever fashioned a human being to be a first grade teacher, it was Miss Taylor. Sarah then told her younger brother, This is important. I think you should pray that you get Miss Taylor. <laughs> Nathan responded, Sarah, I've been praying all my life, and God doesn't do nothing. Overhearing this conversation, I felt a need to correct. And I said, son, that's not right. It's God doesn't do anything. In his defense, Nathan was drawing on his own experience. At that time, uh, we lived in Florida, and Florida was on fire. There were fires like we hear about in California all the time, and ash would travel for hundreds of miles. And, We'd go out every morning, and there would be ash on the car from, from fires. And one evening, Nathan said, why don't they just call the firemen? They should just call the, the fire department to put the fire out. And Carol, wise about these things, said, well, Nathan, it's, it's bigger than that. What they really need is they need rain. Sarah, our prayer advocate, said, well, we should pray for rain. I said, that's a good idea. We were putting dinner on the table, so we thank God for food and for another good day, for the joy of being family. And we prayed, God, please send rain so the fires can go out. Please send rain. Amen. Nathan leaned back in his chair and looked out the window. No rain. He kind of shrugged his shoulders like, well, that didn't work. God doesn't do nothing. Well, it's cute until it's not. I have known folks and who've prayed in hospitals with tear-stained faces, but the doctor still says there's nothing more we can do. I've known women, like the biblical women Sarah and Hannah, who have prayed for God to bring a child, 
And the doctor says we've done all we can do. I've known people in war-torn countries who prayed for peace and awake at night with explosions and gunfire. Ask, and it shall be given, Jesus says. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it will be opened. Who does Jesus understand God to be when he talks this way? He even knows from his own life that prayer doesn't work like this, that prayer's not some kind of machine that you put in your request and you get what you ask for. After he says, ask, seek, knock, Jesus prays in the garden, let this cup pass. I know this is what you want, God, but I don't want what you want, God. Let this cup pass. He pleads, he asks, he knocks, but the divine door is closed. So what do we make of this? One thing this Gethsemane moment teaches us is to be honest in prayer. Pray what you want. Pray what you need. Pray your truth. Jesus teaches us to be honest with God. My friend, Bill, he called me. His voice was shaky. He said, Tom, I'm at the hospital with Julia. Julia was his 14-year-old. He said, she's been tired. We took her to Dr. Baker. She sent us to the hospital. They're saying it's leukemia, Tom. We need you to come and pray. So I did. I stood there. I prayed, God, she's a little girl. And we have never needed you like we need you now. We're confused and, and afraid. We need you to comfort us. Bill had had enough of my prayer. He interrupted. God, you are going to fix my baby. If you need someone, you take me. She is 14 years old. She does not deserve this. You are going to heal my baby. Do you hear me? Fix it. That was over 20 years ago, and today Julia has children of her own. It happens sometime. But we also all know those who have prayed those same prayers, and healing never comes. But what Bill taught me is what Jesus tried to teach me before, is be honest. Prayer is not prayer if we hide our real heart back in some tidy living room with doilies and matching throw pillows. Prayer is a place to be honest. That's what Jesus prayed. I don't want this. This is your idea. I do not want what you want. But he didn't stay there. A careful read of this text reveals that God will not answer every ask. God will not respond to every request. We know this to be true. God is not some gumball machine in which we insert our prayer quarter and get our treat for the day. What God will give is God's promised day. That's what Jesus is talking about here. God gives to those who ask God's own spirit, God's own self. And what happens when we're honest in our prayers is I think we learn to pray bigger. 
Jesus says, I don't want what you want, God. Let this cup pass. He's honest about that, but he doesn't stay there. He then says, but more than that, I want what you want. At least I want to want what you want. Not my will, but your will be done. I think, I think prayer is less about changing God and a practice that allows God to change us. My, my mother... My mother was hosting some kind of dinner party. I don't remember many of these details. There were people coming over, and dinner was already in the oven, and she discovered that she didn't have something essential that she needed. I don't remember what. All I knew is she threw me in the back of the car, and we were off to the grocery store. Dinner was still in the oven. People were on their way, and on the way to the store, she prayed, God, I'm in a hurry. I got to have a parking space right by the door. My, my supper's going to burn. You better give me a parking space right by the door. We pulled into the grocery store. It was an ocean of cars, and right by the door was a parking space. My mother got out. She ran in and got whatever it was, came back. We were driving home, and I said, Mom, that was impressive. <laughs> she said, What? I said, Did God give you a parking space? She said, oh, Lord, I hope not. I said, what do you mean? She said, Tom, there are boys dying in Vietnam. They're fighting in Birmingham. The hospital's full. Your friend Danny, his father, left last week. With all those needs in the world, I hope God knows where I park really doesn't matter. When we learn to be honest in prayer, it may take a while, but it teaches us to pray bigger, to want not just what we want, but to train ourselves to want what God wants for us and for all. Ask, seek, knock, and God will give God's self. When, when we recognize that that's what's happening in this practice, when, when it is a way to lead us to be attentive to God's promised day, then lots of things become unimportant. Jesus compares those who pray to children. He has these strange sayings. They're strange to us, but he says, if a child asks for an egg, will a parent give a scorpion? In, in the original Greek, the the words rhyme. It's a play on words here, but basically he's saying if your child asks for something good, are you going to give something bad? No parent wants bad for their own children. He's saying God is for your good. When you pray, trust that God is for your good. Love is always for your good. I took our little Sarah to the emergency room. She had had a stumble, busted her lip. It was going to require stitches. She was four. At, at, at that age, they, they 
put a child in what they call a papoose. Doesn't that sound lovely? A, a, a papoose. It's a Velcro straitjacket is what it is. It keeps them from being able to move, breathe, or swallow so they can do their business. They wrapped her in that papoose and, and they put the sterile field over her, which is a sheet with a little hole in it. And, and I'm down looking, trying to make eye contact through the little hole while the instruments are doing their business. And she had conversation with me. She said, Daddy, make them stop. Daddy, it hurts. Daddy, make them stop. Please, Dad, please make them stop. It hurts. I tried to find her little fingers and say, it's going to be all right, Sarah. It's almost over now. Hold on. It's all right. Eventually, after a couple of weeks, they finished. They unwrapped her from that papoose, and then the most amazing thing happened. She jumped in my arms. I say amazing because it wouldn't have surprised me if she'd stood up on that little table, boxed me in the lip, and said, now you lie down here. But she jumped in my arms, and I think the only way she could have done that is that in spite of the recent circumstances, she trusted somewhere down deep I was for her good, that I was safe. Even in confusing times, she was loved, and she was right about that. If I understand the text, Jesus says, when you pray, be honest. Say what you need what you feel, what you want, be honest. But also know that God is for your good, so pray that you might want what God wants. Trust that God will give you God's very self, and it will be all you need. No matter the circumstances, little else will matter. So ask, seek, knock, and God will give God. And God will be for your good, even in confusing times. You are loved by a holy love that calls you by name, a love that is for your good. Trust in that. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.